Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. Ephraimites and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Reinbold, and this is the House of Ephraim show today. We do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in this show. It's Mark Reinbold. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God and I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity, again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that 
and you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about, and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call, 618-262-2810, and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Decker. Uh, when we were together last time, we talked and named it the windows of heaven and the significance that we're driving at, and we will soon get there, is, is the windows of heaven and God opening those windows up. As we went through the Old Testament the last meeting we, we were in together, I began to show you that God opened the windows of heaven up and brings blessings down upon his people. And that's important to understand. I, I know I always read and read and read scriptures how the Lord God said, if you'll do certain things, then I, you know, I'll open up the winds of heaven, pour out a blessing upon you that you cannot contain. But what I didn't realize until here within a few years ago, I didn't realize that those windows are not just automatically left open, and when we do certain things, bless God, it just somehow causes, as the windows are opened of heaven, for those blessings to fall down upon us. That, that That's not the way that it works. God has a system in which he uses, and, and uh, tonight, I, and the end of this, I hope that I can get to there anyway tonight. Not be the next meeting, but uh, I, I hope that you're able to understand that, that it's very important to learn how to get those windows open, because the opening of those windows does bring the blessings of God down upon us. Let's let's turn in Luke. Uh, last, last time we were in the Old Testament. Uh, tonight we're going to spend our time in the New Testament. Luke, the third chapter, in the 21st verse, and we'll start there. Luke three twenty one. Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was being baptized and praying that the heaven was opened. Now notice again, the heaven was opened. In other words, this was some kind of occasion that obviously God was going to make the most of. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. Now, the indication again is that, bless God, because this was a, uh, a moment in time in which God had obviously set from the foundation of the world that was going to take place, did take place that day, and then he wanted to be sure that, that everybody realized, so he opened up heaven, sent the Holy Ghost down, and the Holy Ghost did what he does. Now, Hebrew, that's a rahakodesh, the Holy Ghost, and and uh, so anyway, uh, the, the Holy Ghost was in a bodily shape like a dove, and 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 the voice came from heaven itself, and spoke this again. The the key is to realize something that when I did, I was, you know, when you come across these little nuggets of things that in the in the scriptures, all of a sudden you go, boy, that's what this is all about. And when it comes to the blessings of God, that is what this is about. It's trying to get ourselves in a position where we can be blessed. You know, I travel in the country like Don and I travel. I, I, you know, I watch people's lives being transformed. Literally sitting before me three or four nights, three or four meetings, I begin as I teach the transition of the church and begin to show people that, bless God, that there is a lot more to this thing than we in the church ever ever dreamed about having. And as I told them in, when I was in, uh, in the Detroit area this past uh, weekend, I told them, I said, you know, I said, you watch very, very closely because when I'm finished with this, you're going to feel like 
we got cheated. You're going to feel like somebody lied to us. You're going to feel like somebody has, has deceived us. And I said, they have. I said, somehow in all this, we sat back, and I believe it was by the hand of God. I believe that God intended for us to be blinded, just as the Jews were blinded. And I believe that now is the time that he's going to now let the scales not, all, not only fall off the eyes of the Jews or, the, or Judah, but he's also going to let the eyes, uh, scales fall off the church, and we're going to be able to realize something. God's precedent of the way God has always set things has been real simple. He says, if you will do, I will do this, if you will do that. And he tells us, and throughout, throughout the, the word, that if we're going to do exactly what the covenant says, then he's got no other thing alternative in mind except to bless us. If we don't do what he tells us to do, then, the, then we have to understand something, then he can't bless us. And you see, that, that's where the, the, the great, the great, the, and as God would have timing, and timing is everything when it comes to the things of God. And God causes things and times and places to come together. And it just happens to be that uh, somehow me and God's timing all seems to be coming to the same place at the same time after 30 years of all this. And, and what I'm seeing now is with the hurricane, with the, with, the, with the, you know, over in Pakistan, with all that's happening around this world, people are starting to listen to what people like me are saying. And, and it's real simple. Bless God, if, if, if we as Christians... Uh, the 91st Psalm covers us, then why are we dying all over this world? Why are we dying? There's got to be, there's something wrong. If, there, if, if the 91st Psalm worked like it says here, like I grew up in a church, and most probably all of you grew up in a church, believing that the 91st Psalm was ours, it protects us, it watches over us, it keeps us no matter what we're doing. But now the fact of it is that, that, that I'm traveling this uh, right here in this country now saying to the church, then show me, show me what went wrong. Tell me why it's not working. Tell me why we lost Christians in the tsunami over, over in Indonesia. Tell me why we lost Christians down the Gulf here this last summer. Tell me why that these catastrophes are taking place all over the world now and where Christian people are dying. If the 91st Psalm is ours, then why doesn't everybody else die and we as Christians not able to stand or, or should stand? And the fact of it is the church can't answer that. And the fact of it is, as I tell people, the 91st Psalm is not for the church. The 91st Psalm belongs to those that keep the law. And if you go back and look at it now, and, the, and of course, the big, the big attraction, I think, to what I'm, to what I'm doing is, is the fact, as I say, you know, the church says we've been delivered uh, from the curse of the law, and we have because the law couldn't get us to heaven. And, and bless God, uh, uh, that's the reason uh, Jesus, Yeshua, came and shed his blood that then we could get to heaven. And then, then uh, you know, so as I go through all that transition, I begin to watch the faces and the hearts of the people begin to begin to change and begin to look at look at look in the scriptures in a whole different way. And but the key is to find out how to bring the blessings of God, how to get those windows open, and how to get those blessings of God to come down and set upon us that we might look at. You know, the the, the thing that I keep saying everywhere I go. Why is it that we as Christians don't look any different than that world out here? Why is it that there's people out here that don't go to church, aren't saved, aren't filled with the Holy Ghost, don't speak in other tongues, and they're doing better financially? They're doing better just than we going to church every week do. What's the problem? And, and bless God, brothers and sisters, it's time that we address those problems. It's time we look at this thing and understand that, that I realize that during the dispensation of grace, 
that God said that he would reign upon the righteous and the unrighteous alike. That's the Scripture. And I do know that, bless God, that we have gone through 2,000 years, and now we're come to the end of the dispensation of grace, and now the door of that's about to close. God's about to bring an entire different, uh, entirely a different uh, place uh, into, into existence that the church has never known. And bless God, we're about to now walk into that place. Now, in order for us to do that, what do we need? What do we need to understand? We need to understand two things. We under, need to understand how to get the windows open, and bless God, when to be there when they are opened and, and receive from them. Now, let's go and loop the fourth chapter and the twenty-fifth verse. And I just sort of walked back through here, uh, taking everything I could find, uh, so you could understand, uh, hopefully, that you did the last time we were together, how important it is that this thing, uh, 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 this thing with these windows, and how real it is. Now, I'm in four twenty-five, and it says, "But I tell you of a truth: many windows were in Israel in the days of Elias, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land." So evidently, God can shut the windows of heaven up and it not rain. Because that's what he was talking about there. He shut up three years and six months, three and a half years, and it rained not. Now, we're having different places in the world that are having, that are having famines right now. Uh, I know that I'm getting, uh, being pressed awful hard to come back over to Malawi. They're having another drought and, and people are dying because there's no water to drink. And, they're, they're starting to eat termites because they don't have food to eat, even though the money that we're sending over there is buying food for the kids. I, the people was a different story. And so I, I, I went there back in 1994, uh, I think it was 94, that I was in Malawi when they had had a drought. In fact, that drought was three and a half years uh, into the drought, and the Lord told me to, to pray to break the drought. And it would he'd bring rain to tell the people that three days after I left there it was going to rain, and of course the story went that it rained, rained and rained and rained and kept on raining. Well now they're calling and emailing and they want me to come back. They want me to come back and break the drought. And God's told me to stay in America. Now I can't go. I can't go anywhere unless God sends me. Uh, and believe me, that's uh, breaking my heart to to to, to know that. That God lets me do that. I've, I've broken droughts in other places in this world as God would direct me to be able to do. And, and it, but it's the windows of heaven either being opened or they're being shut. Now, why, why is it that, 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 that God leaves those windows shut? Well, he leaves them shut because, bless God, we don't comply to His Word. Now, I think, I think, I think we could equate this probably very simply by saying, when, when we're following after the Lord, the windows of heaven are opened. And on those given times, and I want to show you, there's appointed times for those windows to open. Those windows don't, and you know, here again, hopefully tonight we'll get to that, that you can understand that you want to be willing to be, to, to, to know when those windows will open and by that know how to be praying and to be praying and to be, more than that, comply yourself to the Word so that you're walking and pleasing God so that He can do something about that. Let's go to Luke 21. Luke 21. Luke 21 and 11. It says, And, and great earthquakes shall be in divers places, famines and pestilence and fearful sights, and great signs shall there be from heaven. 
So there again, heaven is going to be is an important player, not only in in this world as before, but in this world that's even the things that are coming to the face of the earth now. That bless God that we're we're at a time when you know I keep talking about angelic visitation. Now we're we're going to over this uh, this uh, meeting time that we're going to have here uh, uh, coming up. Let's see, at seventh, eighth, and ninth here next month. We're going to ask the people to come in three days fasting. We're going to pray. And, and we're going to begin to see the, the beginning of God manifesting Himself. The, the key uh, to people uh, coming out of, I think, the, the, the things that they're going to have to come out of being religion mostly, of getting back to the basics of serving God and understanding that you can serve God all day long, but if you do it in the wrong capacity, you're not going to be blessed. It's just, it's just that simple. Now, once, once we, once we come and we're fasting, we're seeking the face of God through prayer, then, then I fully expect, and I, I don't know that God's going to let me know what that sign's going to be, but we're going to have a sign sometime during this, and I won't doubt one bit, it won't be the first night, that God's not going to give, bring a sign where everybody in the room's going to know. Not just me, not just me as a prophet being able to see into the spirit world of understanding those things. But everybody is going to have a supernatural experience of some kind. Why? Because it's important that we understand that this is a supernatural God that we're serving. It's important to understand. It's just it's like the cloud that appeared to me three times over 30 years. It's important. You know, when those things happen like that, and you're involved in it, as I was involved in it, at the moment in time, you don't think anything about it. It's after it's over... And then you're sitting and, and you're meditating about that and you're going, wow, that was something. That was something to have participated in. That was something, uh, you know, to have seen. Uh, I, I think I told a story about the first time that cloud ever appeared was in this room right here that we're sitting in tonight. Uh, we had got this building. Uh, God gave a man a miracle. God told me to, to prophesy to these, this. We had about 40 people then. And which was over in a little old building across the way that when it rained and you went to the bathroom while it was raining, you had to take an umbrella. It was just that bad. And, and anyway, the Lord God uh, told me, said, you prophesy and tell the people that uh, in a, uh, in a, within seven days, a man was going to come that needed a miracle. And that man was going to write a check for a building that would turn into a church, and uh, which ended up being this. And anyway, uh, the next week, a man come in and he couldn't button his his shirt, he's had arthritis that bad. Anyway, God gave him the miracle, and uh, he buttoned, I'm buttoning his shirt, he was standing there, I'm buttoning, I imagine you'd know why after all those years. And So anyway, he said to me, can I speak to you a moment? And I said, well, sure. And, and he said to me, he said, uh, listen, he said, uh, you, you need a building, uh, you need a church. And he said, uh, I, I want to give you a check, and you just fill it out. And he signed a check, and he slid it across that little desk, and he said, any amount. He said, I've got all kind of money, any amount, doesn't matter. He said, just let me know how much it is. So about a week went by, and we found this building. I think there's three acres of land here or whatever. And so I called the man because I just couldn't hardly write any check for that. And I told him, I said, well, they, 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 you know, they're wanting $85,000 for this building and this land. And, and he said, I told you any amount. He said, just write it out. Now, after we got in here, we began to, to fix the, the, the middle room, which is that room out there. We held service there. We drape, we put a, a drape over this, uh, this doorway here, 
And and I always referred to it as the Holy of Holies. I'd point and I'd say, now back in the Holy of Holies, you know. And it was it was just kind of a joke and everybody kind of got, you know, kind of got a kick out of uh, me referring to this room as the Holy of Holies that we were going to work on it when we got the money. We was going to, you know, we was going to come in here and fix it up. And so I come down on a Sunday, uh, on a Monday morning and, and uh, anyway, the, the brother that was here working, he come to me and he said, you better come with me. And I said, what's wrong? And he said, well, he said, I don't know. But he said, there's something strange going on in this building. And, and so we walked back here and he opened up the Holy of Holies and, and th- there was a cloud laying in here that was over knee deep. And it was all over this room. And when you'd kick it, it would just roll. It wouldn't, it wouldn't, uh, it, it, it just like, it, it just like, it, it, like a ball. It would just roll. And then the rest of it would come in. And so he said, what do you think? And I said, well, maybe it's condensation. And he looked at me and he grinned. He said, no, 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 no. He said, no, he said it was one o'clock in the afternoon. He said, condensation would have been gone a long time ago. He said, it's not condensation. And I said, what do you think? He said, you know what I think, same thing you think. He said, this is a glory cloud. He said, that's that cloud you, you talked about. And I said, well, I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm going to pray. I laid down and you couldn't even see. When I laid down, you couldn't see me. I mean, that, that thing covered me and, I mean, you'd have felt, if you'd walking through here, you'd have fallen over me. And so I laid back here and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And, and the Lord God told me, He said, He said, you will see this cloud a number of times through the ministry of, of your lifetime. But He said, I want you to understand. He said, I will bring it as a sign. And He said, I will bring it under the people's sign. Now, the next time I saw that cloud was in the Philippines. Had about, I'm not sure, somewhere three, four hundred ministers that had come because I usually when I go to the third world, not usually, every time I go to the third world, I have, uh, I gather up the preachers and I spend a whole day with the preachers and I, I, I begin to teach them the things about ministry that God's taught me and lay hands on them, anoint them to send them out, give them anointed oil, give them anointed handkerchiefs, do all the things I can do for them. And anyway, that, that, that day we, we were gathered together and we had, we had tried to have a praise and worship service, which, you know, when you don't know the language, it's a little tough to join in. So, so I'm just sitting there and I'm enjoying all this. And all of a sudden, I looked at the back in the back of this room. That room was about the size of this room. And all of a sudden, I saw a cloud. Now that's not unusual for me to see because I I see those things in the in the spirit world. And and most of the times when the anointing comes on me, if it's very heavy at all, I only see about halfway back. It just gets cloudy. And so I thought, well, I was, you know, I was having experience in that. And, and so all of a sudden, I, I began to hear those ministers go, oh. And they were, they, and I thought, now wait a minute. So I leaned over to this, this brother that went with me from here. And I, I said, John, I said, uh, do you see a cloud? He said, do I ever? And so does everybody else in this room. He said, don't you see it? And I said, well, I, I, yeah, I see it. But I said, I'll tell you about that part later. But I said, and all of a sudden, that cloud just kept moving forward and forward and forward. And all of a sudden, we were consumed by that cloud. And the ministers fell on their faces and, and began to, to weep. They began to, they began to repent. And, and they began to see, cry out to God because they had never, ever seen anything like that before. When we got done, they literally had to bring mops. And they had to bring big uh, ringer mops, buckets, and literally had it like it had we'd had a rainstorm inside that building when that when that cloud left it left it left rain all over the all over the place so a lot of those preachers said well this was the latter rain you know that came and 
And I said, well, you can call it whatever you want to call it. It's a glory cloud of God. And then, of course, the third time I've seen that cloud was on, on the island of Mauritius where I had to run in with the, with the Muslims, and God won. But anyway, uh, so th- th- that's the type of thing that when the windows are open, and, and the only thing that I don't know, the only thing that I don't know is what days did that happen? Now, now th- I- I'm certain that that was on a Monday, the first time that I ever experienced a cloud. The cloud that happened in the Philippines, I believe, was on Sabbath. But I, 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 I've gone back many times and I've thought that over, that when the cloud happened in Mauritius, it was definitely on Sabbath. And when I get to that place here in a little while, you're going to understand why that, that, that happens to be one of those times in which God opens up those, the windows of heaven and things take place. Uh, let's go to John, the first chapter. It's exciting. I, I, it's exciting to watch God do things in a miraculous way. And you know, we have sat in churches and we have dreamed and we have dreamed and we have dreamed and we have dreamed about the things that 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 that, that, that the Lord Yeshua Jesus saw, and we have dreamed about Elijah and Elisha and, and Jeremiah and 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 Isaiah and Ezekiel and all those things that those those men. And you know, the thing that I've I've said to people all over America. You know, we're all that God's got. God doesn't, uh, Ezekiel's not here, and Jeremiah's not here, and Peter and Paul's not here. But God chose you and I to be here. And if you think that we're going to have any less stories to tell them when we get to heaven than we're reading about them here and now, then you're silly. Because we're the, we're the generation upon whom the ends are written, and we're the generation that's going to work the great exploits. And when Peter and Paul and, and Ezekiel and the boys, when we get to heaven, they're going to walk up to us and say, Prophet, you tell us about those greater works that you saw down there on the earth, and I'm going to tell them, and so are you, because we're going to work those works. We're, we, there's two things. One, we don't have any alternatives. Uh, we're, we're coming to the time when we're being pressed so hard, and, and as I you know, travel, especially now in America, the way things are happening for us in America, and God's opening all these doors, and we're pushing, pushing our way into them, and, and beginning to, to prepare the people and get the people to understand that, bless God, this isn't a fluke. It isn't a fluke that God sent a prophet. It isn't a fluke. He's always sent the prophets. That, bless God, that this, this bird flu's coming. Millions are going to die. Bless God, there isn't going to be a rapture as the church has preached and taught and, and, and God tried to get everybody to buy into for generations upon generations. What there's going to be, there's going to be something called the mark of the beast that's going to happen probably within the next five years on the face of this earth. And everybody that's alive on this earth that believes in a rapture is going to take the mark. And they're going to burn for eternity. Now you tell me that they're not going to be deceived into taking. You bet they're going to be deceived. And yet Yeshua, Jesus said in 24 uh, chapter of, of, of Matthew, uh, about the fourth verse, says, "Let no man deceive you." And yet at the same time, we've gone around thinking it's guys like me that's trying to deceive everybody else. And, and, and all along, it's been the church that's deceived us. And bless God, now that we're at a time when this thing's going to open up, and it's like I said, the blessings of God are being poured out. The blessing, the protection of God, that 91st Psalm is going to have to work or we're all going to die. There is no way that we're going to make through this thing without the 91st Psalm and the protection that God uh, tells us we'll have. But you know what God said in that 28th chapter of Deuteronomy? He said, if you will observe and do all my commandments, I will pour out a blessing upon you that you cannot contain, never be able to contain everything you put your hand to. You will be successful or you will succeed. And I will, and I will honor it. I will honor you and your coming ins and your going outs. 
That's what he said. And then he said in the rest of those verses, uh, from uh, uh, verse 15 on down through 68, he spent all that time trying to explain to them what was going to happen if they didn't keep those commandments. He said that you'll end up having poor eyesight, you'll end up having cancer, you'll end up having all this stuff that everybody in the church has got today, and we can't seem to figure out the fact that none of Israel was sick. Even the shoes of their feet, uh, the shoes on their feet didn't even wear out when they walked through the wilderness for 40 years. But we can't understand that. We think that somehow it's some, some great mystery that it just happened. No, there's no mystery to it. They, they were covenant keepers. They had covenant with the Lord God, the covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And bless God, all they had to do was to observe and to do exactly what their forefathers observed and did all of. And the blessings are there. And that's the reason I keep saying, try it. You'll like it. Just give it a, give it a try. Go, go, go just spend a year of your life doing this stuff. And if it doesn't make a difference in your life, you can go back to being whatever it was you, you were before you started. You won't have to look back and wonder where, but I'm going to tell you something. That's the challenge I'm putting all over America, and people all over America are taking that challenge. And I know that, they bless God, that at the end of the year, they'll just be like I was or anybody else is ever going to be. They're not about to go back because the windows of heaven are going to open up to them. They're not going to be brass anymore. They're not going to be that way. Let's see now. Did I, did I get John 151 in? Not yet. All right. I'm headed there. All right. And he said unto him, Verily, verily, I say to you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now, you know, again, the heavens have to be opened. And evidently they're not open all the time. And, and, and again, I want to just say, as a Christian, I thought the heavens were open all the time. I thought that, bless God, that every time you prayed, bless God, all you had to do was look up because the heavens were open and the blessings were going to float right down on top of you. Now, I'm sorry if I was ignorant, naive, or just downright stupid, but the fact of it is that's what I was taught and that's what I believe. But you want to know something? Very little that happened. I'm not going to say none of it happened, but very little of that happened to me in my life. Let's go to John 3.25. John 3.25. We're really walking back through a lot of what we just did. I head back over there, but I'm tried to keep it. John three twenty five and twenty okay through twenty seven. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and Jews about purifying, and they came unto John and said to him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizes, and all men come to him. John answered and said. A man may receive nothing except it be given from given him from heaven. Now, it's important. It's important to know two things. Uh, that nothing evidently is going to come to us except it comes from heaven. That's the word word of God. But you, they were coming and asking, and 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 they were asking uh, John's about the uh, purifying. And they, when they came to him, and, and, and behold, the same baptizing all men come to him, meaning John the Baptist. Now, there was no pure Kohanim, which is priests, that was left in Jerusalem uh, after all the, the all the stuff that had happened with the Roman Empire. The, the division of the northern and southern kingdom was was rent uh, from Solomon's days. Then the Roman Empire would come in, destroyed everything. And everything, everything was 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 a mess. Or after that point in time, and and what they had was that the Kohanim, the priesthood, scattered, and they went across the Jordan, and they lived in in caves 
up and down that one particular valley over there. And bless God, they were going. To, in fact, they were going to stay in those caves and 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 believe and understand that that's what it was. Now, this was before the Romans came in, obviously, and destroyed the temple after Christ had come, which he prophesied was going to take place after his descent. But but the thing of it was that when John the Baptist came back across the Jordan River, he was the only pure priest that was known anywhere, and that's the reason all the people came to him because they knew that there was a pure Kohanim, there was a true priest of God that was now back in Jerusalem, and that's the reason all the people gathered around. That's the reason, uh, you know, that uh, again, uh, uh, everybody was afraid. Everybody was afraid of, of, of the Baptist because they knew that he was a, he was a man of God. And of course, we know he was filled from his womb, or uh, from his, uh, filled with the Holy Ghost from his mama's womb, uh, and uh, bless God it showed. So, but anyway, the statements made there again said, a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. So the heaven is where it's all got to come from. Now, manna, where did manna come from? Well, we studied that last time. Of course, it came from heaven. You know, and that, that was one of the things that I, that I wanted to make sure that, that people understand. The message, the prophetic message today is bringing the, bringing the people back in alignment with God. And, and understanding that the, you know, the, the Father didn't retire and the Son take over the business, that, bless God, the Father was still in the same place He was in the beginning. As, as the Lord Yeshua Jesus said, I'm not greater than my Father. I, can, I do nothing except that which He tells me to do. So the fact of it was, Jesus didn't come down here and, bless God, then write a new book. He didn't do that. He didn't come down here and disclude the Father. Everything the Father had done... Now, now listen closely... Everything the Father had done from the time that He said, let there be light, up into the time that His Son came to this earth and was sacrificed on a tree. Uh, bless God, uh, He didn't, uh, Jesus didn't come to change that. He said, I come to fulfill it. What did He fulfill? He fulfilled what the law couldn't do. He now became the sacrificial lamb and the shedding of His blood now gave you and I and all the world that would receive it gave us the permission, the right, then to enter into the kingdom of God for eternity. That's what he came to do. Now, you know, when, you, when I say these things, it often causes people to, to raise an eyebrow, but if you'll think for a moment before your eyebrow gets too worn out being raised, if you'll think about it, this statement is it, that's all he came to do. He said, I've come not but unto what? To all sheep of, the, of, of, of Israel, of the tribes of Israel. But he came for us to be saved. That's what he came here for. Now, obviously, he left us the authority of his name, and which is, you know, paramount. Because he said, you pray in my name, and all this stuff's going to happen. But you know, again, uh, the, the, the key to us getting to, to have eternity life, eternal life with him was the shedding of that blood. And that's what he came, that's what he did, and thank God that he did that. But I, I, I think that what we did in the church was all of a sudden we begin to listen. When you go back and study the history of the church and you begin to see what happened after Rome destroyed the temple, after, uh, after Rome decided they were going to become Christian, when you begin to read and study that, it doesn't take, you don't have to have an IQ of a genius or a theologian, either one, to bless God to be, begin to understand what took place. They came into a situation and they looked at the Jews. I mean, they had killed thousands of Jews in, 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 in Israel. 
And they took all, you know, they, they tore, they tore down the temple. They did all the things that they did. They sacrificed pigs on the, on the altar. And, and bless God, all this stuff took place. All of it happened. And then you've got these people out here 300 years later decide they're going to become Christians. Now, is there anything wrong with that? No, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But what you need to realize is that they became Christians without, without, bless God, the knowledge of, of Judaism, without the knowledge of the things of God. I don't think that anybody, you know, when you stop and, unless you're going to, again, unless you're going to study, you realize that you just think that, well, the church did and they did this and Rome became uh, Christian. But if you, if you look at Rome and, and, and bless God, when they begin to set up the things that they begin to set up and what we would call the priesthood, hood that wasn't, they, they were tyrants and these old boys were, you know, they, there was some, there were some wars that was made over these, these preachers and, or priests, uh, thinking that this was right and that was right and they become whoremongers and everything else and one thing led to another to another to another and, and bless God, what did the church do? We just evolved, we came forth and here we are today and we look at all and say, well that's all part of our heritage and most of us have never gone back to study to find out, well just, where did, where, did they, where did they get all their fetchings, if you let me use that word tonight? Where do they get all their teachings from? How do they know what to do and how to do and when to do? How do they know all that stuff? Well, I'm going to tell you something. When, when Rome separated the church from the Jews, it was done in such a distinct and deadly manner that thousands of people were, thousands of Christians were killed because Christians were also Jews and became Jews, and, and, and they kept the, the covenant of God. And then they, the, Rome separated it all, and now they're running around here going, what do we do now? And Rome says, sit down here and we'll tell you. And so went the church, and so the church is gone. But you see, uh, it just happens that as time evolves, that, that we, 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 we've been through a, a, a great period of, of darkness uh, in the church where the church didn't even know there was prophets that were on the face of this earth. And, and, and bless God, it evolved and it came all the way up into the, up into the 1900s and then all of a sudden the word prophet started being used again and, and, and then bless God, it got loose on both ends like it always does anytime God's going to do anything. And so we got all these people running around calling themselves prophets and, and as I keep to explain to these people around America, just because somebody tells you something about your life doesn't make them a prophet. Bless God, prophets carry signs and wonders. And bless God, if there's no signs and wonders, then just sit down and take a deep breath and shut up because you're not a prophet. Prophets do those kind of things. I do them all over the world and have for 30 years. And I understand what's going on very well here in the United States. We've got a good a lot of people that, bless God, that have been led astray by men and by women that want to be, think they're dignitaries and want to think they're important and this and that. And I can tell you the same thing I've told everybody all over the world. As far as I'm concerned, being a prophet is the biggest curse that could ever happen to any man, any woman on the face of this earth. The only time there'll ever be a blessing coming this thing is when I get to heaven, if I keep everything straight between me and God before I get there. Uh, let's go. Let's go to uh, the sixth chapter of John. Sixth chapter of John, thirty-one, six thirty-one. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. And he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me to finish his work. Now he's going. He's going. He's going right at him, isn't it? Now, 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 
Did I get? I didn't get the six. Where am I preaching? I'm preaching for. That's good preaching, though, isn't it? I love that. But you know, I like that. Donna, this is your fault somehow. I'm sorry. Turn to six. Whoa. I went down there and I said, now, wait a minute. That's not. Now we'll go 631. I'll bet that looks different. There you go. Our fathers did eat manna. I'd go back and preach that, though. Uh, Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Of course, we we talked about that uh, last time and, and even briefly now. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the, the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth light unto the world, which is Yeshua Jesus. Now, again, it all has to come from heaven. And I, I, I you know, as enthralled as I become about scriptures anyway, I think most of us just take things for granted. And, and again, I'd spent years obviously taking things for granted, but you know, one of the things that I can remember always doing, I always remembered uh, trying to find the right way so when all this was done that I'd be blessed. And whatever God, whatever God was going to do in my life, it would lead to blessings. It wouldn't lead to the curses. And, and, and so I, I played, I paid particular attention under, under those things. Why? Because I wanted to be certain that, bless God, that I could stand out and I didn't look like all the rest of the heathens up and down the block. Because I kept saying that what, you know, what makes us different than them? You know, I go back to that brother that's a farmer and he said, you know, I've got farmers around me up and down the roads, both directions. We've had drought. My crops are bad as their crops. And he said, when you said what makes you stand out from among them, he said, you're right, nothing. He said, I don't look a bit different than they look. I go to church, I tithe, I give offerings, I do good deeds to people around the community. And he said, let me tell you something, I'm just as broke and my crops are just as bad as theirs are and vice versa. Now he said, he said, I'm coming to you, prophet, and he said, I want to know what I've got to do, that I can work the works of God, that this thing can change. I said, it's simple. You observe and do all, all the commandments. Do everything that God tells you to do that's in that book that says, I am the Lord thy God. You know, and, I, and, and, and if, you'll, if, if you'll look at that, and, and, and you know, be, being a Jew, people say, well, now there's 613 laws and I can't keep all those. You're not supposed to keep all those. Those laws, 99% of those laws have passed long, long, many, many years ago, most due to the fact that the temple is no longer there. But the fact of the matter of it is, we're not under all those laws. What we're under is the commandments. We're under the covenant. The covenant that God made with us is the covenant that will bless us if we'll get smart enough to go back and keep it. And if we're not going to, then, then it's going to be the same thing. But you know, the, the church has finally got to a place where the church after 30 years of my life, is, is willing now to at least sit and listen. 20 years ago, uh, you couldn't, I couldn't say enough in a service. That they'd, they'd get up and walk out while I was preaching. I've actually had the crowd just, just there they went, you know, uh, because they're not going to listen to that, not going to listen to that, don't want to listen to that. Why? Because we were into peace, peace, blessings and blessings, and oh golly gee, Jesus loves me for the Bible tells me so. And they weren't interested in some hard-nosed prophet standing up and saying, I'm going to tell you something, America. If you don't repent and get yourselves turned back to God like we were until our forefathers that founded this nation was, there is going to be tragedy that's going to come to the United States of America that's going to bring America to its knees. 
And bless God, they didn't want to hear that kind of stuff. They didn't want to hear, they didn't want to hear the bless God that, that we were going to get ourselves in so many battles that we were going to spread ourselves so thin around the world that we wouldn't win another war because God had taken His hand off of America. But isn't that exactly what's happened? Isn't that exactly what's going on today? You bet it is. We're not winning wars. What we're doing, we're out here just trying to police all this stuff. We're spread so thin that they had to bring troops back from, from I don't know, was Afghanistan or over to Iraq when they had the tragedy down in the Gulf last summer. Had to bring troops back to help. Uh, folks, read the writing on the wall. We're in trouble. We're in big trouble. The reason we're in trouble is because, bless God, those windows up there have been closed against America. Those windows up there is closed against this world. There's only one way to bring those those windows back open again, and I keep saying it's not going to happen because we've been turned over to retrograde mind as far as a government and a people's concern because we went back. You go all the way back, you go back to Bill Clinton, and when we elected a president that stood for the first time on a platform that decreed the fact for homosexuals, for gays, and decreed the fact for abortion, for abortions, for all women, and he got elected. And, and you know, and I'm, I'm screaming. I'm absolutely screaming over TV and radio back in those days saying, you've got to stop this stuff. The church has got to stand up and do something. Just don't sit back and let this happen, because if you do, it's going to open a door that's going to open a floodgate into America that will not be able to be closed. And there will be famine in our streets and our children will die of starvation. Well, that's yet to come, but it's coming. It's yet to come, but it's coming. But why don't, why don't, why don't people listen to the prophets? I'll tell you why they don't listen to the prophets. Because people don't want to think that they have a problem. They want to think because they go in a place called a church every week and they sit down and bless God the preacher gives some nice little sermonette about, oh, Jesus loves you. How well do we know? Because the Bible tells us so. And you get up and go home feeling pretty good about yourself, and you think that's all there is to it. And that's not all there is to it. He said, I am the Lord thy God, and you shall, you shall love me with all your strength, with all your mind, and with all your might. Throughout all your life, you do that. And bless God, we long since got off that road onto something else. Let's go to the book of Nehemiah, and let's look here in Nehemiah. Well, there's that thing. I told you I had that. Somebody sneaked that into a place I didn't know in my Bible. Donna says she'll take the blame. I love it. Well, I'll be okay. I'll be all right. It's just one of those things that, that, that seems to happen to me on certain times of the month or year or something. Nehemiah 13. Now, we're going to start in the 15th verse here. Uh, Nehemiah 13. 15. In those days saw I in Judah some treading wine presses on, on the Sabbath, and bringing in sheaves and lading asses, as also wine, grapes, and figs, and all manner of burdens, which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, and I testified against them in the day wherein they sold victuals. Now, um, the, the, what, what Nehemiah is saying here is, he said, he watched these things happening. See, watch these things happening. And, 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 and he goes on to say, There dwelt men in Tyre, also therein which brought fish and all manner of ware and sold on the Sabbath unto the children of Judah and, and in Jerusalem. Now, now what's, the, what's the law say? That you'll not buy nor will you sell on the Sabbath. You see, we had a time here in the United States of America when I was a kid 
that on Sundays you couldn't find gasoline stations open, couldn't find stores open. You guys remember that. And bless God, at least, at least though we didn't keep the true Sabbath, at least we were trying to, trying to, at least the Sabbath that we decided we would choose to keep or call Sabbath. Anyway, we were trying to do it right. And, and that went for a while until people like Walmart came along and today's Sabbath, uh, uh, tonight, tomorrow will be the biggest shopping days of the week. You know, I mean, you, you buy and sell like it's no tomorrow. Well, let me tell you something. I prophesied 20 years ago, the Lord God will bring America, this land, to a Sabbath. It's not, and He'll bring this land to a Sabbath. Not that this land will decide to give a Sabbath to God, but God will bring this land to a Sabbath. And that's what exactly is going to take place with this, with this uh, flu pandemic that's coming. Then I contended with the nobles of Judah and said unto them, What evil thing is this that you do and profane the Sabbath day? Now, you've got to remember something, folks. It wasn't that many years before Nehemiah, when Moses, when he brought the wall down from Mount Sinai, and, and he presented it to the people, and, and when they were out, and when they were out in, wandering around in that desert for the 40 years, he told them that if anybody even kindled a fire on that day of Shabbat, Sabbath, that they would be taken without the camp and killed. Now, the question that I've always, always said, and will still uh, uh, bring to the church is, then it must have been a pretty important event to have kept Sabbath. In other words, it must have been downright important uh, to understand that God wasn't just, it wasn't some light thing in which He was speaking about. It was serious enough that in Moses' day, they were put to death if they did anything that they weren't supposed to be doing on the Sabbath or Shabbat. Now, now, and what Nehemiah is doing here is that, that he, he says here, he says, uh, he, he went to them and, and said, uh, bring an evil, what brought this evil upon the city and yet bring more wrath upon Israel by profaning the Sabbath. So he says, we're already in trouble in that 18th verse. And uh, let me read it again. Did not your fathers thus and did your, not your God bring all this evil upon us and upon this city? Yet you bring more wrath upon Israel by profaning the Sabbath. In other words, we're in a heap of trouble with God anyway, and now you're profaning, you're profaning the Sabbath. And he goes on to say, "And it shall come to pass that when the gates of Jerusalem began to be dark before the Sabbath, I commanded that the gates should be shut, and charged that they should not be opened till after the Sabbath. And some of my servants said, I at the gates that there should should." No burden be brought in on the Sabbath day. So the merchants and sellers of all kind of wares lodged without Jerusalem once or twice. Then I testified against them and said unto them, Why lodge ye about the wall? If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. From that time forth they came no more on the Sabbath. So evidently, evidently, Nehemiah was smart enough to know that, bless God, that they were, like I said, they were already in a heap of trouble with God. But there wasn't any, any, any reason to shove this thing past that. Now, there isn't any ifs, ands, or buts about it. The Sabbath is probably the holiest day that God projected in the seven days that, that He created on this earth. In other words, that He put forth on this earth, I should say. But on the, second, on the seventh day, it said that He rested from all the work that He had done. But the fact of it is that, that he, he put forth seven days. And he said there would be the one day, the one day. He said, you can do whatever you want those six days, but there's going to be one day that you're going to honor me as the Lord God. Now, 
You know, the neat thing about it when you study, when you study about Sabbath, you find something out that what God was really saying is that if you will keep that day, that will set you apart from the rest of the world. Does it not? Yes, it does. It, 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 people, you know, well, you know, the seven-day Adventists, and I'm not here trying to push their doctrine. I don't know anything about their doctrine, number one. But I know enough about, about the fact that the, the, at least they keep Sabbath. Now, whether they keep it proper or not, I don't even know that. But that's their big claim to fame, is to keep the, keep the, the, the what they believe to be the original Sabbath. Now, the, the, the fact of it is, with God, it was important enough that they does this. Now, my question started out being numbers and numbers of years ago to, to some very, very close teachers that I knew, Bible teachers, was just this. Uh, the question was, who decided to change the Sabbath? From, from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown, who decided to change that? Now, it must have been a prophet because God said in Amos 3.7, He said, I will do nothing except I first reveal my secrets, my secret unto my prophets. So it had to be a prophet. So I said, now, now, now does anybody know what prophet came forth and said that, that bless God, that we're changing the Sabbath from when God said and when the, when the Jews kept it? And by the way, Sabbath is not something that God gave to the Jews. God gave the Sabbath long before there was ever any Jews, all right? And so he gave it, and, and the reason he did it again was what? To set us apart so we would be known as his people. He said, this will set you apart, and they will know that you, that you serve the Lord God. You'll keep that, you will keep that throughout your generations. That's a, what? He said it's a perpetual covenant. Perpetual covenant just simply means ongoing forever and ever and ever. There's no end to it. And that's, and that's exactly the way it interprets it back into Hebrew. The other thing of it is at the end of that when he said, I am the Lord thy God. In Hebrew, uh, what that signifies is that it's like when, when a king had a, had a signet that he, that on his ring and he had put his ring and he had hit his ring on a thing and leave a mark. Uh, anytime that God said, I am the Lord thy God, then that, that is set for all eternity. There is no way any man, God himself, is ever going to change that for me different than it is. Now, where again did it happen? Where did it come from? Well, the fact of it is, men seem to always have a better idea than God has. See, that, that, that's really what happened in America. We got to a certain point in America... And we decided, God, we'll take over. You sit back over here. But that's not anything anything new because you, you remember in, in Samuel's day, you remember the people started saying, we want a king like they've got a king. they got a king and we got a king. You need a king. Wah, 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 wah. Samuel, he was ready to behead all of them, and God said, let them have a king. It's not going to work. Let them have it. And they did, and it didn't work. Well, you, if you, if what's real interesting today is that Israel is crying just about the same thing today. Israel now wants all of all of religion out of the Knesset, which is their government, and they want it run like all the other governments in the world's run. Now, you know, again, you would think that somebody at this point in time would stand up and say, look, boys and girls, it didn't work back in Samuel's day, and it ain't going to work in your day. But no, nobody seems to be wanting to stand up to do that. Why? Because I think it's given time. I think it's appointed. And I think that Israel is in for a real trip. But I also think that America needs to get their nose out of Israel's business and get it out just as soon as we Israel gets the backbone enough to stand up and say something. You know, the same thing I told those rabbis. 
I said, you know, when you look at this thing, the thing that the thing that America needs to understand is Israel doesn't need America. Israel's got God. God is on our side, and it's time that it's time that bless God that that everybody understands that. God chose Israel. Israel didn't choose God. God said, I chose you amongst the smallest people on this earth, and I blessed you. And he gave us Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And bless God, then we can go back and say, well, we did real well. Abraham messed up with Hagar. Well, let me tell you something. God knew that was going to happen too. God knew for a fact that the, uh, the Arabian uh, uh, uprising was going to come with Ishmael and all this thing that's going to take place that's going on right now today on the face of this earth. Why? Because God is going to prove us. He's going to find out who's going to serve Him and who's not going to serve Him. And folks, that's what we're coming down to. We're coming down to this time to get those windows of heaven to open up and pour blessings on us. We're going to have to understand something. There was reasons why the manna came down on Mo, in Moses' time. There was a reason why that, bless God, that that iron axe come up off the bottom of that. Remember, Elisha drew that iron axe up off the bottom of that river. There's a reason why the meal barrel didn't run dry and the cruise of oil didn't quit in Elijah's day with the widow. These were, the reason was that they knew how to tap into and they knew when those windows were going to be open and they knew when to, to operate within that. Now, are you trying to tell me that you're saying that Elijah probably didn't do that except a certain time? You bet I am. I'm here to tell you for a fact that, that I believe that. That those boys, they knew something that we don't know to do. See, see the, the problem that we have in the church is we presuppose so many, many things about about everything of God that, that we're not real sure at this point in time, if you wrote a real book about what we believed, what do we really believe? See, we, we believe that you're not to look to the stars for anything in the world. And do you realize that Israel and Israel's men of God knew when they were going to be attacked? They knew when they were vulnerable. They knew when they were strong. But the alignment of those stars... That it wasn't witchcraft. Bless God. That's a, did, wait a minute. Didn't God say, I'll give you signs from heaven? Come on. Somebody say amen. But yet the church told us that that's all witchcraft. And we're standing around going, well, now, are you, that's astrology. You don't want to be getting into that. You go around those, you go around those rabbis and you start that stuff. Them orthodox boys, and they'll run you out of town. Of course, you they'll run you out of town anyway. If you're not orthodox, but, but the fact of it is that, that they know better. They look at, you know, they look at us. You know, them rabbis looked at me and they said, what do you people believe? You got all these sects of, 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 of you call Christianity, and one believes this, that one believes that one. And you know what they said to me? Have you never read that a house divided against itself will fall? I said, Oh, we fell centuries ago. Church doesn't know it. See, the church doesn't know that we've fallen. The church, the reason the church wouldn't stand up when Madeline O'Hara got prayer taken out of school because we're divided. We're not a church. We're divided segments and pieces of people running around here in religion. If we were truly children of God, we would have long since made up the differences of me being a Methodist and you being a Baptist and them being Pentecostals and them being Catholics, and we would have come together and we would have become the children of God. We didn't do that, and there's reasons why. One of the reasons that God wasn't going to let that happen, because we chose way back, and I'm going to tell you where we chose back, how far back it went? It went all the way back to Rome. It was when Rome decided they were going to become Christian. And when that happened, bless God, they brought all their paganism. They did all those things. You know, it goes back to what I keep screaming all the time. 
Uh, we decided we were going to have Easter instead of Passover. And yet the Lord God said that you will keep Pesach, which is Hebrew for Passover, throughout your generations. You will keep Pesach. You will keep it. No, we color a bunch of Easter eggs and set them out in the parking lot for our kids to find. We got bunny rabbits, and bless God, we got chickens. Oh yeah, don't forget about this Jesus that, that, that died on the tree and rose three days later. But it's just like I said, you, you, what are your kids actually?